Uh, up until a couple few days ago, I didn't know that I was uh, preaching this week. My wife, Carol, was going to preach this week. Um, but then when, when she had to, to get away um, for this emergency, I said, yeah, I can, I can preach. That's not a problem. So I started talking with the Lord, and I just, a little later in the week than I normally do, but I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to your people this week? And didn't get an immediate response, and so I worshipped and just kind of sat still, and, and all of a sudden, uh, repentance came to my heart. And I got so excited because I love repentance. It's one of my favorite topics to preach on. So I, I literally said, Lord, is that you or is that me? Because I love preaching on repentance. Are you letting me preach on repentance this week? And I feel like the Lord said, yes. So I got super excited. Um, I'm going to pray because I'm hoping that at the end of this message, that at least to some measure, you have the same excitement over repentance. That you have the same affection um, and revelation over repentance. So I'm going to pray again. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I just said it. And um, Lord, from, from my lips to your ears and your heart, that's what I desire, Lord, is that every person in this place, every person listening to this message would grab a deep, deep revelation of the beauty and the gift of repentance. That we would have vision to see the results of repentance. And that we would make it a value in our lives. Something we do often, Lord, if not daily. So Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you just open our eyes to this incredible gift? Guide us into this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Repent. Repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. Um, and that word metanoia means change mind. Uh, if you uh, want the verb of it, it means to change the way you think. For some odd reason, this definition, and I just gave you the literal Greek definition of repent, for some reason this definition doesn't sit well with some people. That usually, that, that reason that, it, that repents usually has a, a bad taste in people's mouth is usually because of preachers. Maybe not preachers, but, but maybe just Christians. And that's because we often associate it with finger wagging, like an angry finger wagging or a shake, like a shake. Repent! Repent! Turn from your ugly, filthy, disgusting, wicked ways, you ugly, disgusting, filthy, wicked person. That is what some folks relate to the word repent. That is how some folks see it. At best, some folks have a religious understanding of repentance. At worst, it's a fearful and resistant understanding of that word. Many people who have grown up in the church have been told by many different pastors that repentance is defined as turning from sin and turning to God. So I'm not asking to see a show of hands, but I guarantee there'd be a ton of hands that went up if I said, did you hear a preacher say that's the definition of repentance? Turning from sin and turning to God. There'd be a ton of people go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that my whole life. But that's simply not correct. That is not what the word repent means. 
So if you're going to define a word, you need to go to the original usage of that word in Scripture. So if it's, if it's an Old Testament passage, you're going to look for the Hebrew word. If it's a New Testament passage, you're going to look for the, for the Greek definition of that word. And today we're going to focus on Jesus speaking this word. So it's a New Testament usage. So we're going to look at the original Greek. Repent comes from two Greek words that are put together. Meta. Does that sound familiar? Metamorphosis. What, is, what does that mean? Change. Okay. And noia. Noia, do we, you know, a lot of times that's at the end of a word, but are we familiar with that? Paranoia. Right? It, it talks about the minds. Noia means mind. So meta means change. Noia means mind. Change mind. That's the noun. The verb is metanoia, and it means change your thinking. Change your thinking. This is what Jesus came preaching. Change your thinking. Let's look at the first time that repent is used in the New Testament. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3. Um, I'll quickly go to Matthew chapter 4. Um, we're going to kind of be all over the place, and we'll have scriptures behind me if I, if I move quickly. Um, but Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We go one chapter later, chapter 4. Jesus went to the wilderness. This is after Jesus was baptized, after, after the voice came from heaven, this is my son, and whom I love, and him I'm well pleased. And then after that, Jesus went into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by Satan. This is before he's called disciples, anything. So Matthew 4.17. From that time, from the time that Jesus came out of the wilderness, Jesus began to preach, saying the exact same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Did you notice what John the Baptist in chapter 3 and Jesus in chapter 4, did you notice what they didn't say? They didn't say, repent for hell is at hand. Repent or go to hell. Turn or burn. That's not what they said. They said, repent for what's at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Isn't that awesome? It's good to hear what they didn't say and to recognize what they did say. Well, how do I point this out? Because they didn't come bearing bad news. Jesus is good news. He's the epitome of good news. And both John the Baptist paving the way and laying the foundation for Jesus and then Jesus coming and his first words of declaration, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, came declaring good news. One helpful way to unlearn old habits, to unlearn old things we've heard, is to insert the actual correct definition and read it again. To circle back without this, this yelling, angry word of repent that, that points to and highlights your dirtiness and unworthiness and shame 
read it, let's read it again with that actual correct definition of change mind. When Jesus and John both use the exact same sentence, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What they're ultimately saying is, change your mind. Rethink what you are thinking about God and a relationship with God. Change the way you're thinking about God. Change the way you're thinking about what that relationship looks like. You've been thinking in terms of God and a relationship with Him in regards to what you do, and we want you to rethink that. Don't think in terms of relationship with God in terms of what you do or what you don't do or your ability to be good at doing those things or to be really lousy at doing those things. But think about who he is. Jesus is saying, with the, with the coming of the Messiah, which this isn't the moment that he's proclaiming, he's not proclaiming he's the Messiah, but it's this prophetic moment where he says, a whole new type of reign is coming. The kingdom of heaven. A whole new covenant is being set forth. A covenant of grace. A covenant of faith. None of it based on works or your ability to complete said checklist that you're used to. That was part of the old covenant. Jesus is saying, I want you to change your mind about the way that you can have a relationship with God because it's no longer about works. It's through faith. It's through grace. And I want you to change your mind. Because of the lies of the enemy, because of experiences of hurt, or maybe at times even like abuse in the church, like just being browbeaten and and, and tore down. Sometimes we hear it with filters of, of deception from the enemy. Sometimes this is the way we hear what John and Jesus said. Repent, repent. You're a no good sinner. Change the way you're living. Change this, change that. And then after you've turned from that rotten life, then you can go into the kingdom of heaven. And if we're hearing that, friends, we're hearing the wrong thing. Because that is not what John the Baptist said to pave the way for Jesus. And that is not what Jesus said as his first prophetic declaration of the kingdom of heaven being at hand. But that's what a lot of us have been programmed to hear. But there's one massive, inescapable problem with that. Here's the problem. You can't change. You can't change. You can't change on your own. Outside of Jesus, you can't change your heart. If the message of repentance is change your lifestyle, change your works, change what you're doing, change out of being filthy, and we're telling people to do that outside of Jesus, what we're throwing out to them is a frustrating, helpless impossibility because they can't change. Change. 
We can't change outside of Jesus. Many of us have been told only part of the definition. We may have been told that repentance means to change. Change your heart, change your actions, change your life, change the way you live. A lot of us have been taught that repentance is the changing of direction in our life, right? Turn from sin, change direction, turn from sin, and turn to God. And I'll tell you what I don't like about that. And and when I talk about that, which I honestly think is probably well-intentioned, but really bad teaching, is that makes it all about you. It makes it all about me. It makes, it makes it about my ability to show willpower and to turn from my ways. It makes it all about my strength to turn from bad habits and bad things. And it's not. We can't change our hearts. People would say that repentance is all about making a commitment in your heart, Right? It starts with the one thing that God has given us ability to do. And that's to change our mind. That is to repent. That is to change minds, metanoia. We change our minds. And in doing so, that opens the door of our hearts where that God can change our hearts. I'm going to say it again. You don't have the ability to change your heart. Only God can change a human heart. But God did give us the ability to change our mind. And if we'll change our mind, he'll do what? He'll change our heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this, And I will give you a new heart. And I'll give you a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He will put a heart within us and his spirit within us that will cause us to walk in the right direction. That will cause us to walk in his statutes. That will empower us To obey. God gives us a new heart. Not us. You think you can change your own heart? No way. No way. Jeremiah 17.9 In that passage we're told that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. Isn't that remarkable? It's like, I mean, talk about speaking in superlatives. It's the most deceitful thing. No one really knows how bad it is. It's, it's just bad. You can't even imagine how bad your heart is. So check this out. Still in Jeremiah, just a few chapters later, seven chapters later actually, the same prophet declares the promise of God regarding our hearts, and says this in Jeremiah 24, 7. 
God's saying prophetically, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. And with this new God-given heart, look what happens. Just five chapters later, Jeremiah 29, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you seek me with this new, transformed, fleshy, soft, pliable, teachable, humble heart. Everything your heart wasn't, it is now. Because God gives us a new heart. With that new heart, we're empowered to follow. With that new heart, we're empowered to obey. It's no longer about obey, checklist, 700 things, do them all. It's, I've given you a heart. I've given you my heart, in fact. And with my heart, I'm empowering you to walk in obedience. There's still things I'm asking of you. But now it's not just of your own strength. We're in this together. We can't change ourselves. Only God can transform our hearts and our lives. Things that used to be appealing to our sinful nature, we need the power of God to change our heart where those things are no longer appealing. God continues to mold us and to shape us into the likeness of him. And he starts from the inside out with our heart. God is adamant that he can transform hearts. He's adamant about it. That's his desire. I love the the call, the prayer of David in Psalm 51.10, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. If you will change your mind about who Jesus is and believe in him, he will give you a new heart and he will change your life. Repent is a very, very good word. Sometimes preachers just say stupid things. I've done it. I've said stupid things. Maybe not yet today, but the day, the day is early. <laughs> Have you ever heard a preacher or a Christian say this? Christians never need to repent again. After they've given their life to Christ, they only need to repent one time. They never need to do it again. Well, if their definition of repent is to turn from sin, be saved, and turn to God, then sure, then that, that might make sense. Because once you've given your life to Christ, you don't need to be saved again and again and again. You give your life to Christ, boom, you are justified. Just as you are, you come to the Lord, He forgives you, and you are saved. Okay, so if that's that, that turn from sin and turn to God, if that's the definition, then... Um, Yeah, I I guess that makes sense. But that's not the definition. That's not the definition. It's absolutely foolish to say that Christians never need to change their minds again. You need to repent every single day. 
You know how I know that? Because I know you. Every day. I need to repent every day. I could be mainly right about something, but I could be wrong in the delivery of it. You know, communication is one of those interesting things um, that's multifaceted. When we communicate, we, we have our message, and we have the timing, and we have delivery. And if we want that communication to be good, all three have to be right. The message has to be right. The timing has to be right. The delivery has to be right. God has made us to be really unique and really complex and he desires constant interaction with us because we might be partially right on something. We might be right on the message and the timing but totally off on the delivery or message and delivery are great. Timing's brutal or the message is just flawed. It's just wrong. Timing was good. Delivery was good. Message was heresy. The, the act of continually going to the Lord and rethinking and changing our mind is an incredible thing. I need to repent every day. Repent. Rethink. Change my mind. Once again, it's not this heavy thing. It's not this, you dirty dog. That's not it. If that is still, when I'm saying repent, if that's still what you're hearing, then there needs to be some dialogue with the Lord. But you say, Lord, I, I, that's what I keep hearing. Every time Mark says repent, I'm hearing that I'm not worthy, that I'm less than. I feel shame. You guys, that is not the heart of our God. Change your mind. Receive correction. It's interesting. Correction. That, that, that affects us in some funky ways. Most of us, I talked about, you know, like the, the definition of repentance early on, not sitting well. The word correction doesn't sit well for a lot of us. And you know why? Because most of us have hurts that we need to run to Jesus with. Either something from our childhood or something from a failed relationship or a hurtful relationship has has impacted us in a way where that we we hear the word correction and we defenses go up. Just like we're to love repentance, we're to love correction. Proverbs 12.1 says this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof, he who hates correction is stupid. He who hates correction is stupid. These aren't my friends. These aren't my words, friends. These, these, are, these are the words that we're reading the word together. They're foolish. Your translation might say, but come on. Foolish. Stupid. Tomato. <laughs> tomato. Come on. I love it when God just uses candor like this. When you're wrong... Isn't it better to be corrected? Especially if it's from one who has such grace and such love, whose message is always truth, whose timing is always thoughtful, and whose delivery is always kindness. 
when you're lost? Isn't it better to be found? When you're broken, isn't it better to be made whole? Teachability and humility are inseparably linked. God wants us to display the value of humility every day in our eagerness to change our minds and agree with him to repent. When the Holy Spirit, who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, who is always with us, when he prompts us to change our minds, when he prompts us with the truth that that our lives aren't currently reflecting, or maybe we're partially reflecting, then we need to repent. It's my experience that the Holy Spirit is constantly guiding us into all truth so that our lives can glorify Christ. And this isn't just my experience. This is what the Word of God says. John 16, 13 and 14, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus talking. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here's a few things that you need to change your mind about. That we need to change our minds about. Number one, change your mind about yourself. The reason that a lot of us don't like to be corrected is it makes us feel like a bad person. It makes us feel inferior or dumb or insert whatever lie of the enemy gets spoken here and so we don't like correction. Because we, we make it bigger than just correction of a behavior. Which is what the Lord wants to do. He just wants to correct a behavior that's going to cause us pain, that doesn't glorify Him. So He wants to correct a behavior. We look at it as something else and the devil takes it and says, He's telling you He doesn't like you. He's telling you that you're a bum, that you've blown it. Again. That you're never going to get it right. And that's a lie. The enemy tries to make it an indictment against us as a person where the Lord wants us to see ourselves in him and have an identity that is secure. Acts 3, 19 and 20 says this, Repent therefore, repent therefore, change your mind therefore, change your thinking and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Friends, these times of refreshing, they come only after we've repented. It's, it's a fruit of repenting. It's, it's a, a wonderful benefit that comes from repenting is we have times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. This is one of the reasons I love repentance. We repent and we're refreshed in his presence. That right there should make us love repentance. It doesn't make you less of a man to run to the healer. It doesn't make you a weak woman to run into the presence of a loving God. Jesus wants to change our mind about how we see ourselves. 
He loves you. He finds joy in you. He has the most wonderful laughs. Not, not at you or at your expense, but because of you, because you make him happy. He thinks about you. Jesus intercedes on your behalf. He prays for you. You are loved. You are valued. You are treasured. All of your crummy crayon drawings go on the Lord's fridge. He loves you. And if we don't see that, we need to repent and change our mind about how we see ourselves. Number two, we need to change our mind about repentance. Number three, and most importantly, we need to change our mind about Jesus. He's not mad at you. He's patient with you. He sees it all. He sees everything you've done. He sees everything you've repented of. He sees the things that that you haven't repented of. He sees the things that you've forgotten about. He sees the things that you've kind of pushed down and suppressed. He sees the things that you're going to do, the sins you're going to do, the ways you're going to blow it, and seeing all of that, he loves you. He's got grace for you. He's got plans for you. He includes you in his plans and purposes. The relationship that he wants with you is not based on your works. It is not based on your ability to do good or to be good. It is based on love and on grace and God's ability to make beauty from destruction. Beauty from ashes. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind about Jesus being a way to the Father and establishing your minds that Jesus is the only way. Mark 2.15 says this. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners, can everyone say tax collectors and sinners? And then say there were many of them. Okay, there are many tax collectors and sinners, and they also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, that's twice I said that now, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And remember what that word repentance means. We could easily read that and say that he called the sinners to change how they were living, but that's not what it says. If we read this according to the true definition and meaning of repentance. It means that he called the sinners to change their minds about what they thought about God. You see, if we think that that we're too dirty and filthy and that our sin is too ugly and that it repulses God, 
and therefore we, we can't be in his presence. He, he defied that. He brought a changing of their mind by saying, no, I will sit with you. I will eat with you. I will fellowship with you. I want you around me. I want you to change your mind about how the Father loves you. So I'm going to demonstrate that. That's what Jesus did. I, I, want, I want you to change your mind about how much the Father loves you. I want you to change your mind about how much I love you is what Jesus was saying. Sitting there with the sinners and the tax collectors, he's saying, the Father and I love you. The Father and I don't judge you. The Father and I want relationship with you. We want fellowship with you. God knows you. God loves you. Jesus gave his life for you. And God wants you to change your mind if you don't believe these things. Repentance is not a bad word. And it's not just a one-time life occurrence. It's a lifestyle in which we agree with God, letting him speak into our lives and us respond. In which we let God draw us close to him and then says, hey, this behavior here is not doing you any good. Will you give that to me? Will you trust me with that? Will you let me show you what, what I have to say about it? Here, let me, I haven't wrote it in my word. Let me show you what, what I have to say about this. Do you agree with that? Will you agree with that? Okay. Repentance. Changing our minds, which leads to an open door in our heart where the God then gets to change our heart. We just we got it backwards. We're like, oh, I need to have a change of heart. I need to have a change of heart. No, friends, we can't change our heart. We need to have a change of mind. Open the door to the Lord and let Him change our heart. Can we do something real quick? Can each one of us, the sermon's over, the message is over, but the response isn't over. Can we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, What are you saying to me in this message? Let's just take a second right now. Holy Spirit, what do you, would you personalize this? What are you saying to me in this message? Maybe he'll reply right away. Maybe he'll speak part of it now and and he'll finish the thought later. Maybe it'll be when you're driving home. Maybe it'll be Monday in quiet time. Maybe, I don't know. But when we ask the Lord a question like this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? We need to listen for an answer. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Guide us into the truth of this message. Lord Jesus, you are our healer. And as I talked about... uh, correction earlier and that many of us have been hurt we've been wounded and, and so that word is just tough for us uh, our backs bow when we hear that word and we don't like correction because maybe we've been beat up with it we've been abused with it or it's been used against us as a weapon even bearing your name people have used it as a weapon against us and so Lord for every hurt that, that is in this place and those listening to this message Lord, would you just bring healing? Would you heal us from correction that was not brought with love or grace? Lord, would you move our hearts so that we 
embrace and love correction just as we embrace and love repentance. Lord, heal hearts today. With eyes closed, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, but you want to know Jesus, you feel like you've opened the door of your heart to him and you feel him at work and you want a new heart, you want a new life, you want to be forgiven for your past, your present, your future. You want to walk with him just right there where you are. Just call on his name, Jesus. I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my all. I keep nothing from you. And I don't try and renew my own heart, but I ask you to give me a new heart. I just changed my mind about what I've thought about you or what it was to be a Christian or a follower of you. And I open the door of my heart to you. We can open our eyes. If there's anybody in this place that that made that decision, then would you please let us know? If if you're worshiping at home or somewhere online and you just you prayed that prayer, would you let us know? You can uh, email us at contact at impactrock.com. Leave your phone number if you want us to call. We'd love to call you. But here's the thing. We're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to link arms and point each other to Christ and, and not be the Lone Ranger and not be an island, but to walk as brothers and sisters in grace and love and stickiness. We're to be sticky, unshakable, because we're going to stand next to each other. So if you made that decision, let us know so we can get your Bible, so we can be sticky next to you and that we can link arms with you. Um, love you guys. Um, thank you for your prayer as, as I head out um, either later tonight or tomorrow, probably later tonight. And I'll, I'll leave you guys with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day. He loves you.